0: It is my privilege to speak this morning as the church is sort of link to, uh, to LCM and uh, Ian has very kindly stepped aside this morning so that I can bring a few thoughts from uh, Psalm 30. So if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to read Psalm 30 together and um, I'll do my best to condense what I've got down into uh, the amount of time we have left. Psalm 30, if you've got a church Bible... It's on page five hundred and fifty-eight. Um, unlike Marlene, I'm not embarrassed to put my glasses on because I've also reached that point in uh, life. Oh, that's better. I can see now. Right, here we go. Psalm thirty: I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O oh Lord you brought me up from the grave you spared me from going down into the pit sing to the Lord you saints of his praise his holy name for his anger lasts only a moment but his favor lasts a lifetime weeping may remain for a night but rejoicing comes in the morning when i felt secure i said i shall never be shaken O Lord, when you favoured me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You've removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks for ever. As a family, uh, last couple, two or three years, we've uh, taken some holidays. Now I can't see you. <laughs> We've taken some holidays up in uh, Northumberland. And if any of you have been to Northumberland, you'll know it's a, a very, very historic area. Plenty of castles and all sorts of uh, history. Well, I would, su- would want to suggest this morning there are two people in our family who quite like history, and there are two people who are not quite so keen. And I wonder if you can guess from this photo. Who is not so keen on history, as uh, Sally and uh, Oliver said? Let's go to this particular place. Um, it was the um, not the Fine Islands. It was the uh, Holy Island. As we traipsed around another historic part of Northumberland, <laughs> Annie and me stopped, and I said, "Annie, let's have a we don't really like history selfie." And uh, this was this was it. But actually, I tell a little bit of a fib there because I do like a little bit of history. Just not as much as the others. Um, and uh, there was one particular thing that I came across that we discovered as a family up in Northumberland, and it was a story of um, somebody called Grace Darling. And you may have come across this story before. And actually, it would be her birthday today. She would be 204 years old. She was born in 1815 on the 24th of November, and she lived in Longstone Lighthouse on the Farne Islands with her parents um, and brothers. And uh, one night on the 6th of September in 1838, a massive storm blew up just off the Farne Islands and a steamship ran aground and uh, onto some rocks, round about three quarters of a mile from the lighthouse. Now, Grace saw what had happened. About quarter to five in the morning, she'd woken up and she'd saw... Uh, the, this uh, steamship had been abandoned, had, had crashed into the rocks, and she saw people up, up on the rocks. She woke her father, and her and her father, uh, in this almighty storm, rowed out uh, together. And the reason Grace went was because her, t- her brothers were not actually at home that night. Uh, so she got in the rowing boat with her father, and together they rowed out, and um, they were able to... Um, save uh, the nine survivors of the steamship that, were, that had clambered up onto the rocks. And Grace Darling became a national heroine because of it. She's got her own little museum up on the outskirts of Bamburgh. And uh, I do recommend a little visit up to Bamburgh and to uh, uh, read and understand more about what this lady did. But I don't tell that story just because it's Grace Darling's birthday today. I tell you that story because it is a story of deliverance. Can you imagine being one of those survivors clambered up on the rocks, wind and crashing waves around you and suddenly you see in the distance Grace Darling and her father rowing towards you against all the odds uh, to scoop you up and to bring you to safety? The psalm we've read this morning is also one of deliverance. David is recalling a time when he went through some immense difficulties, a dark time in his life, and God brings him through it and out the other side. Verses one to three, he says this, I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and you did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down into the pit. David speaks of God lifting him out of the depths, not letting his enemies get to him, crying to God and receiving healing and being spared death. And every single one of us can relate, I'm sure, to David, because we all have something in common with him. At various points in our lives, we either have been, currently are, or will in the future find ourselves in situations where we feel like we are in the depths. Storms crashing around us and we can't see the answer and hope is beginning to wane and it can feel like a night with no dawn and some of us are maybe in that place right now this morning. When I read the bulletin uh, uh, that that Mary produces each week um, there are those within it who are struggling with illness, with loss, with unemployment with concerns for family members. And in conversations with with some of you, I hear struggles that maybe you're having with teenage children or feeling stuck in that sandwich generation. I've got to admit, I kind of feel and understand what that means right at this moment. And it can feel dark, and sometimes we can't see any light. Marlene's told you about those living on the island The Isle of Dogs, a place where I've worked for uh, nigh on 30 years. And I understand the poverty and what she is talking about this morning. Those who in immense struggles um, in daily life. But in this psalm we have just read, in verse 5, we get to these incredible words. An amazing promise. David writes, weeping may endure for a night but rejoicing comes in the morning. Any darkness we go through only has a season. It is restricted. Because as sure as night passes and day breaks, so God's promise that rejoicing comes in the morning is also true. And David isn't saying that our night will only be a few hours, and it will all be okay when we wake up the next day. What he's saying is that no matter what we face, whatever length of time it may go on for, the sun is going to rise, morning is going to break, and joy and rejoicing will be ours. Weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes In the morning. I think that's an amazing promise and I wholeheartedly believe it. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, that promise is yours. And if you're not a believer, then why not start seriously considering what God promises right now, today? Well, you might say to me, well, how can you be so sure that this promise of joy comes? In the morning? Well, I want to offer you three very quick reasons. One, it's in the Bible, it's in God's Word. There are literally hundreds of promises in the Word of God, and He has not yet broken one of them. That's the first reason. The second reason is there are endless examples of people in the Bible who had dark situations, those who endured the night and whose joy came in the morning. Joseph, rejected by his brothers, ill treated, sold into slavery, and eventually imprisoned for something he didn't do. But his morning comes as he rises to a position of prestige because he never stopped trusting God and he saw reconciliation with his family. And at the end of Genesis, he says to his brothers, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good his joy came in the morning what about Job Job an honorable man of God and one in one foul swoop almost he lost absolutely everything starting with his cattle and his belongings and then his very family wiped out in front of his eyes Job I think probably is the greatest example of someone who went through real darkness Mm -hmm. But through it, he never let go of God. And he was restored. And all that he previously had was restored and more on top. The Bible tells us he received twice back what he originally had. Marlene's mentioned uh, one story of a blind man this morning. There's another one uh, in John 9. This man's darkness was was, was truly opened. His eyes um, his sight given back to him by Jesus and his, his mourning certainly came. Certainly had to wait a long time for it as he'd been blind from birth. But his joy came in the morning. And then finally, what about the story of uh, the cross and the resurrection? The disciples experienced a time of darkness as Jesus was crucified. Their friend, their teacher, their promised saviour murdered in front of them. They didn't get it. All their hopes were shattered. Night descended into their lives. But three days later, the weeping of the night passes and rejoicing comes on resurrection Sunday morning as Jesus comes back to life. That's two reasons. One, it's in, God, it's in the Bible, promises in the Bible. Secondly, examples from the Bible. Thirdly, it's happening today. There are real examples today of God bringing joy in the morning. As a family, we've had obvious an obvious time. Marlene mentioned that the first time she came here to, uh, to speak was Oliver's dedication. And that was after a time that obviously we had, as a family had gone through a real testing and difficult and dark time. But our rejoicing came in the morning. We've seen recently a young person in this church go through... Uh, A really difficult time and come through it in ways we could never have expected. There were plenty of tears shed at various times, and now they've been replaced with joy. But of course, there are those known to us who we continue to uphold because the night is still theirs. But we can take hold of this promise your joy is coming. Joy is coming in the morning because the night can only last so long. Whatever you're facing today, however long your night has been or is, and how long your tears have flown, this promise, God's promise, is rejoicing, is coming in the morning. But when we're going through this nighttime period, this seeming darkness, What do we do while we wait for the morning? Well, I believe the answer is in this psalm. In three different parts of the psalm, David says, I will praise you. He says it in different ways, and he advocates praise in his circumstances. In verse 1, he says, I will exalt you, O Lord. In verse 4, he says, sing to the Lord, praise his holy name. In verse 12, he says, my heart will sing and I will give thanks forever. In the New Testament, we read, give thanks in all circumstances. For many of us, that would be the last thing on our minds. It's the last thing we would want to do. Cry out to God for help, yes, but praise him when I'm going through a tough time. The last couple of months in this church, certainly since the summer, we've been singing a song, I Raise a Hallelujah. That song speaks of praising God in the middle of the storm, praising him when life doesn't make sense, praising him and watching the darkness flee, praising him and watching fear lose its grip on us and see hope rising up. I want to tell you this morning that praising God can be the catalyst for seeing our joy come in the morning. And just very briefly, I want to tell you four things that I believe praising God in all circumstances does for us. First one is this. Praise gets the focus off ourselves and on to God. When we begin to praise God in whatever circumstances, there simply has to be a shift of focus. We stop thinking about ourselves and we start focusing on him. The more we think about ourselves, the more our circumstances can consume us and take hold of us. But when we praise God and put our focus on him, the more we are set free. Because we start to put ourselves in the presence of the one who can bring hope and light. The one who specialises in the impossible. As I was preparing for this uh, message some uh, weeks ago or starting to think about it, um, I, some things started to happen. My dad ended up in hospital, um, work was, uh, was, was really pressured, um, family situations, um, struggles with teenage children, and it all felt like it was getting on top. And I just felt God saying, well, if you're going to speak on this, you better live it. And I just found myself starting to sing. Just to praise God. And slowly but surely the burden started to lift. It really, really does work. The second thing I want to suggest is that praise humbles us. When we praise God for who he is, we recognise that he is in control. We can so often get caught in the trap of trying to work it all out for ourselves and leaving God out but when we praise God, we give attention to the one who is able to bring hope and light. I hope Marlene won't mind me sharing this story, but I was sitting in a cafe having a coffee with her the other day, and I asked her to recount the time to me when she had a really horrific car accident. And I'm sure she would tell you this story. And if she's not happy with me, I'm in real trouble. But Marlene, a number of years ago, 20-odd years ago, you were well over 20 odd years ago you had an horrific car accident didn't you and I know you said at that time you weren't really connecting with God as you wanted to or should have been and Marlene very humbly said you know what it put me this accident really really put me on my back for a long time but at that time you found your way back to God didn't you you spent so much time communicating with God and I guess you'd agree that God humbled you a little bit in those circumstances and, and today you testify to everything that God has done through you and that's, that's amazing. David actually admits in this psalm that he tried to work things out for himself. In verse 6 he says, When I felt secure, I said, I shall never be shaken. And having rejected God's help, God withdraws his favour. It doesn't leave him just simply withdraws his favour. And I was trying to think of an, of an example that might help to illustrate that. And uh, there's been more than one occasion when Oliver has got a problem and he'd, uh, and, he'd, and I'd offer my help and he'd say to me, no, I can do it myself. And I would say to him, okay, but if you're so sure, you're on your own. And later he'd come back and he'd say, I can't do it. And would ask for help. And of course, I'm only too glad uh, to help him. And God is the same with us. When we come to that place of humility, he stands ready to do much more than we could hope or imagine. Remember the story of the disciples rowing uh, across the lake in the storm, and Jesus asleep in the boat. And I'm guessing as fishermen and, and, and proud in their, in their heritage, they started to try and bail water out of the boat and do it all themselves, And then finally, they turn to Jesus and say, Lord, help us. And of course, the end of that story is that Jesus stands up and says, peace. And the storm storm is stilled. Thirdly, praise invites victory. There's there's a brilliant example of this in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 20. And uh, I'd urge you to go away and read this whole story it's the story of the of King Jehoshaphat, one of God's kings. And he gets word that not one army, but three are coming to attack him. And King Jehoshaphat looks to God as to how on earth he is going to have any possibility of winning this war. And as they get ready to go out to fight, King Jehoshaphat appoints men to go ahead of the army and to praise God. And this is what he says. 2 Chronicles 20, 21 and 22. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out ahead of the army, they sang, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. We sang that this morning. And as they they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Those three armies actually turned on themselves, and God's people didn't even have to do anything. Victory was invited into this impossible situation by the praises of God. And finally, praise can open the door for supernatural acts of God. In the New Testament, we read of Paul and Silas, two men, faithful followers of Jesus. They've been arrested, beaten and placed in the deepest part of a prison, chained with their feet in stocks. And this is what happens. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. Right in the middle of the night, in the darkest of situations, Paul and Silas sing praises to God, which results in an earthquake and the chains of all the prisoners coming loose there actually wasn't one supernatural act that night there was a second one because the jailer who was looking after them and his family all gave their lives to Jesus and were baptized what a picture this event gives us of God setting people free when they feel chained to their circumstances As I conclude this morning, there are some things I can honestly stand here and say I do not know the answer to. The first one is this, I don't know how long the night will last for anyone who may find themselves in it. And I also don't know what your morning will look like when it comes. But what I do know is this, God is as good as his word. And if he says you're weeping will last for a night but joy will come in the morning you can trust that promise and I also know that whatever you go through you don't go through it alone God promises time and again that he is with us he says I'll never leave you or forsake you he says I am an ever-present help in time of need he says I am with you till the end of time we have a faithful God Faithful to his promises, faithful to be with us in every storm. He says, sorry, um, faithful to be with us in every storm we may face, and faithful to bring joy in the morning. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Praise God, and to him be the glory. Amen.